First Chronicles chapter 21. It's good to see everyone this morning. Good to have so many visitors with us uh, this morning. It's always a pleasure that you come our way. We hope that you'll find a congregation that is serving the Lord, that is doing the things that we have been prescribed in the New Testament to hold up the banner of truth in this community and to, to reach out and to spread the gospel as we have opportunity and to do those things that we've been prescribed to do. Thank you all for being here. Appreciate the men leading us up to this point. It's been an encouraging time to be together, to join our voices together in song and, and to gather around the table to remember that great sacrifice that was paid for our sins. This morning I want to talk about sacrifices. When we talk about sacrifices, typically our mind goes to the Old Testament, which is uh, understandable under the law of Moses. And even before, there were a great many of sacrifices that were offered to God. And we think about those, and we think about the blood of bulls and goats. We think about all those animal sacrifices that were made, and, and rightly so. But I want to make the connection this morning in understanding that God still requires sacrifices of us. He still requires us to give things to him. Now, it's changed under the law of Christ, as we know, and as the Hebrew writer so eloquently spells out. But there are things that we are to give to God. And, and more importantly, and what we'll focus on this morning is the attitude by which we give those things, the motivation behind the things that we sacrifice to God. So that's what I want to focus on this morning. I titled this lesson, uh, I will not offer that which costs me nothing. And we're going to see where that comes from here very shortly, from 1 Chronicles chapter 21, when David makes that, not word for word, but very close to that statement um, about his offerings to God. We'll get there in just a moment. But I want you to keep this in mind, because this is um, really the, the, the theme behind this lesson. Is I'm not going to give something to God which didn't cost me anything. So we'll develop that as we go through. But if you're there in 1 Chronicles chapter 21, uh, we'll go through this fairly quickly. Um, but just to, to give an idea of context here, um, beginning of verse 1, we have recorded for us how David is going to take a census. Now it says there, verse 1, Then Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. And we know how, if you read further on here, you know that this was something that was displeasing to God. Um, in fact, this angered God. And why was that? Well, a couple of reasons that we might, we might can point to. Um, one is that God didn't ask David to do this. There have been a couple of censuses in the past when the, the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt where God ordered their census to be taken. But in this case, God hadn't ordered that. Um, and the other, fact, the other uh, idea behind why God might be angered is because God wanted... Uh, his children, and especially his leaders, to rely on his might and not on the number of soldiers that they might have. In Leviticus chapter 26 and verse 8, um, as God is, is giving them instructions on setting up the law of Moses and, and telling them how they were, were to go into the land and possess it, um, he talks about chasing those inhabitants of the land out and how they would go about um, accomplishing that. He says, Five of you will chase a hundred, and a hundred will chase ten thousand, and your enemies will fall before you by the sword. You see, it took a small number to, uh, to defeat a large number of enemies, and that's the way God wanted it. 
He wanted his children to rely on his might and not on the number of foot soldiers that they might have. So we can see as, as it goes through here that God was very displeased with that and so much so that he told David that he needed to choose a punishment because of this sin that he had, that he had committed. If you're there in 1 Chronicles 21, verse 9, beginning, it says, And the Lord spoke to Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and speak to David, saying, Thus says the Lord, I offer you three things. Choose for yourself one of them, that I may do this to you. So Gad came to David and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Take for yourself either three years of famine, or three months to be swept away before your foes, while the sword of the enemy overtakes you, or else three days of the sword of the Lord, even pestilence in the land, and the angel of the Lord destroying throughout the territory of Israel. It's not, it's not very good things to choose from there, is it? It's horrible, all three choices. But David's going to choose the, uh, to, be, uh, to have the anger of the Lord meted out um, in that way that the sword would rise up against him. And that's what's going to take place. There, beginning verse 13, and, and, and David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Please let me fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are very great. But do not let me fall into the hand of man. He didn't want to be chased by his enemies. He wanted to, God to mete out the, the punishment to him directly, which meant that his men were going to fall. Verse 14, so the Lord sent a pestilence on Israel. Seventy thousand men of Israel fell. Those had to pay the price for David's sin. 70,000 men die. David is remorseful. If you look there in verse 17, it says, And David said to God, it is, not I who command, is it not I who commanded to count the people? Indeed, I am the one who has sinned and done very wickedly. But these sheep, whatever they have they done, O Lord my God, please let thy hand be against me and my father's household, but not against thy people that they should be plagued. So we see in, in David, as we often do, his remorse, his, his penitence. And he asks, implores God to stop this. And the Lord relents. He stops the destruction at this point. And he tells David to build an altar. And so David goes and uh, he, verse 19, David went up to the, to the word of Gad, which he spoke. And verse 20, now Ornon turned back and saw the angel and his four sons who were with and hid themselves. And Ormon was threshing wheat. So he goes to this man, Ormon, and down he says, I want to buy your threshing floor so that I might build this, this altar. And Ornon says, I will give you this. I will give you the land. I will give you everything that you need to make the, the alt, to build the altar, to make the sacrifice. I even have the, the ox ready for you to, to make the burnt offering. And here is one of those good characters we see about David and where I want us to focus in our attention. Verse 24, But King David said to Ornan, No, I will surely buy it from you for full price, for I will not take what is yours for the Lord or offer a burnt offering which costs me nothing. See, in David we see this about him and his character. He says, I'm not going to allow you just to give me these things and then me sacrifice those to God, those things which cost me nothing. We think about what, what sacrifice means. Is it, a, is it such a sacrifice to have the land given to you and the altar built and the, the ox to be put on it? What does that cost David? Well, he recognized it wouldn't cost him anything. 
So he says, I'm not going to do that. So he pays him for the, for the land. It says there, the 600 shekels of gold. Then David built an altar, verse 26, of the Lord there, and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. And he called to the Lord, and his angel answered from the fire from heaven and on the altar of the burnt offering. And the Lord commanded the angel, and he put back his sword in its sheath. David made a mistake. And it angered God. And God told him, you choose what your punishment's going to be. And David realizes what a mistake he made and didn't want God to continue to take out his mistake on his men. And so God relents and he tells David to build an altar. And in this, we learn uh, the great lesson here about not offering to God that which costs us nothing. Let's keep that in the back of our mind as we go forward. I want to shift our attention now to the idea of improper sacrifices. Go to the book of Malachi. <clears throat> Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. Right there before Matthew. So the idea here about improper sacrifices, this is something that would plague the Israelites throughout their history. Something that would carry over into, as we see the New Testament opening with the Pharisees and how the, the things that they were offering and the, and the laws that they were binding on people were missing the point. But here in Malachi, beginning in chapter 1, verse 6, uh, God speaking, he says, A son honors his father and a servant his master. Then if I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my respect, says the Lord of hosts to you? O priests who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised thy name? You see, God expected his priests to honor him. He expected his children to honor the father. And as we'll read going throughout here, it's evident that they weren't doing that. It's evident that they despise the table of the Lord, as it's mentioned here. God asks for and respect and 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 should have been given honor. He demanded it. But they were not honoring the Father. Instead, instead they were dis, uh, offering dishonorable sacrifices. Chapter 7, beginning, says, You are presenting defiled food upon my altar. But you say, How have we defiled thee? In that you say, The table of the Lord is to be despised. But when you present the blind for sacrifice, is that not evil? This is speaking of the blind and the lame that, that were being brought for sacrifices instead of the, the firstlings of their, of their flocks, the best of their flocks. And when you, when you present the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Why not offer to your governor? Would he be pleased with you? Or would he receive you kindly, says the Lord of hosts? Think about that. If we had a, a visitor in our home, a, a, an important person, um, would you offer him not your best? Would you offer him that something that's been in the freezer way too long? Or would you want to offer him the best that you had? Simple, isn't it? Verse 9. But now will you not entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us with such an offering on your part? Uh, will he receive any of you kindly, says the Lord of hosts? Verse 10, oh, that there were one among you 
who would shut the gates that you might not uselessly kindle fire on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept any offering from you. See, the idea is not just the, the lame and the sick, but you see the attitude with which is going on here. Why should we offer the best to, to God? Won't these sacrifices do? It's a lamb. Why can't I just offer it? He's blind. Maybe he's lame. You see where they're missing the point? God expected the best of their flocks, not what was left over, not the sick, not the blind. He expected their best. And why? Because the Lord is to be revered. Look what it says there in verse 11. For from the rising of the sun, even to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense is going to be offered to my name and a grain offering that is pure. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. God says my name is going to be great among the nations. How can my name be great if my people are offering me these sacrifices that are lame, that are blind, that are not offered in the right spirit? God says, I don't want those sacrifices. If that's the best you can do, I don't want that. I am to be revered. I am Jehovah God. I am to be revered. From the sun up to the sun down, all the world is to be reverent of God. Sadly, the sacrifices were being treated as, as just a common thing. Verse 12, it says, But you are profaning it, in that you say the table of the Lord is defiled, and as for its fruit, it is food to be despised. You also say, My, how tiresome it is. And you disdainfully sniff at it, says the Lord of hosts, and you bring what is taken by robbery and what is lame or sick. So you bring the offering. Should I receive that from your hand, says the Lord? Should I take that? Should I take what you're bringing to me as a stolen or it's lame? Or you sniff at it as just being a common thing? Should I accept that as your creator? But cursed be the swindler who has a male in his flock and vows it, but sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is feared among the nations. How sad is it for someone to have that in their flocks and offer the lame and the blind to Jehovah God? I want to talk about now about spiritual sacrifices. You know, I made mention in, in the beginning that God still expects sacrifices for his children to be made to him, even under the law of Christ. Now, they're different, but there are sacrifices to be made. So our sacrifices today include things uh, such as presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. Jack read for us there in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. In verse 1, it says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. See, there is a sacrifice. And what is it? It's our bodies, our living bodies. That's what God expects of us. 
It means, obviously, that, that we don't kill ourselves and spill our blood, but we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. And it says there in verse 2 about renewing your mind, not being conformed to this world, but being transformed. How important that is. That's that living sacrifice, one that keeps going. Not conformed to the world, but transformed. Our sacrifice is also to be a loving sacrifice. In Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2, says, Paul says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you, and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. See, there's those connections to the Old Testament. You know, those animal sacrifices and the incense, those things would come up to God as a fragrant aroma. Paul's linking that back to this. How is it that we offer up that fragrant aroma today? Well, in this particular passage, it says, walk in love. Just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. There's that sacrifice again that, that plays in. Offering and a sacrifice to God is a fragrant aroma. See, it should cost us something. It should be our best. We should give of it willingly. See, those things, they, they apply to this too. Those same ideas. We offer sacrifices and our praises to God. And Hebrews 13, verse 15 says, Through him then let us continually offer up sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of our lips that give thanks to his name. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about praising his name in, in our prayers and our singing and our speaking of him? When we talk to others about God. The Hebrew writer equates that with a sacrifice. Is it our best? Is it something that we, have, that we have paid for? How do we pay for praise to God? Well, you might think it might be through Bible study. It might be through the time that we've committed to, to helping others throughout the week. It might be being here on Wednesday nights and Sundays to encourage one another. Those are costs. And God expects us uh, to give of that. He expects the sacrifices that we give to him to have cost us something. Also think about this in terms of benevolence. That same passage there in verse 16 of Hebrews 13, And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. That one might be a little bit more easy for us to get our arms around. Right? Helping each other out, good and sharing, that's, that costs us something, right? We, we can understand that a little more easy. Money out of our pocket. Um, time. Time is such a valuable thing. But those are things that cost us something. And God wants our best. Doesn't mean that God wants to empty our, us to empty our bank account. But he wants us to give of our best. He wants us to work with our hands. He wants us to be able, yes, to provide for our family, but yes, also be ready to help those who are in need. So that's what he expects. So let's make the, the application here, put these things all together. When it comes to our spiritual sacrifices, we can learn these lessons from, from the Old Testament. The sacrifices made under the old law and First of all, we understand that the 
sacrifices were to be done properly. We've been studying on Wednesday nights. We've been making our way through the, the story of the Bible, and we, we briefly went through the book of Leviticus and all those things that had to be um, prepared for the sacrifices. They all had to be done a certain way and in a certain order and at a certain time. God expects the sacrifices to be done properly by the right people at the right time with the right animal or with the right grain or the drink offering. All those things needed to be done properly. God commanded that. Our sacrifices need to be from our best, not our worst. We don't sacrifice the blind and the lame. We sacrifice those the good of the flock, the firstlings, the year-old lambs. That's what God expects. He expects the best from our flocks. Not what we've stolen, as was mentioned there in Malachi. Not, we've taken this, and obviously well, I don't think any of us are engaged in larceny throughout our weekly uh, lives. But the point is made, isn't it? We don't give him something that hasn't cost us something. God is to be honored. That passage there in Malachi from verse 11 about from, from the sunrise to the sunset, all the nations will honor me, paraphrasing. God is to be honored. So the sacrifices that we bring, we need to think about in those terms. Is this honoring God? Uh, is my singing, which is, as we've demonstrated here, a sacrifice that I make, is that honoring God? Or do I just have my nose stuck in the songbook? Or maybe not even singing. Oh, I don't know the song. I'm not going to sing it. Is that honoring God? God expects to be honored. And if we offer the fruit of our lips as a sacrifice to him, we better be honoring him in that. And it should cost us something. If you need extra time to uh, to better sing, take the time. If you need to understand a little bit more clearly about a certain passage, ask me. Ask somebody else. Ask another man. Ask a, uh, another lady in the congregation that might be older and might know Scripture a little bit more than you. Take the time. Spend the money. Spend the time. If it's... Um, or, or take that time to come to a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning Bible class. Guess what we're doing during that time? We're studying the Bible. Guess what makes us better children of God? To know Him better through studying the Bible. That's opportunity. I know there's lots of discussion and things said about attendance and can be a tri tricky subject among, amongst brethren. Well, you can't bind that on me. We don't have Wednesday night in Scripture that tells us to be here. We do know from Scripture that we ought to know our God. And we know that we ought to offer sacrifices that are pleasing to Him. So let's take time. Let's pay the money. Let's pay the time. I will not offer that which costs me nothing. David was a fallible man, certainly had his share of mistakes. But it's spoken of as, as David as a, a man after God's own heart. 
We see him in him a penitent man, a man that was remorseful of the things that he did wrong. And we see in this little example here such a wonderful example of how we ought to present our service to God. It ought to cost us something. It ought to cost us something in this world, whether that be taking a different job so that we could be close to, to a congregation so that I can worship on a Sunday morning, whether I can make the sacrifices I need to make in my own life if I'm driving a long distance, but yet I'm here on a Sunday morning. Whatever the sacrifice might be, that, that needs to be paid. Because God does not take pleasure in those things that aren't offered in the correct way. As, is, as we read there from Malachi, I don't even want those offerings. I don't want that. If your heart's not in the right place, if you're not doing it properly, if you're not bringing me the first fruits, don't bother. Our service to God, our sacrifices to Him should cost us something. So brethren, spend the time. Spend the money. Make sure that your service to God is, is being paid in the sacrifices that you make. If you're not a child of God, I would encourage you to become one. To understand what it means to be a part of the kingdom. To be a child of His. God expects us, um, really, in the grand scheme of things, so little from us. He expects our worship, our sacrifices. He expects us to put Him first in all things. And in the grand scheme of things, he doesn't offer or doesn't ask a lot. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, upon you. A burden is light. A yoke is easy. And I say that in, in, in relation to what it is that we benefit. Eternal life. Eternal life in heaven when this life is over. At the feet of our Creator. That's a small price to pay for such a glorious reward. If you're not a child of God, I would encourage you to become one. If as a child of God you have stumbled, need the prayers of the congregation, I would encourage you to do that by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.